0: Amen. Amen. Good morning. Uh, as Stephen said, my name is Katie. Uh, I am on? No? Yes? I got a green light. Yeah? Ah, there you go. As I was saying, um, my name is Katie. I am a pastor at a nearby church, and I, it occurred to me my church is still meeting just on Zoom, so this is the first time in four months that I have preached with shoes on. <laughs> And it feels pretty good. It's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. Uh, I am thrilled to be here with y'all this morning as we wrap up this four part series. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And so, just a little recap for you part one, you are crafted, you are uniquely made by God. Part two, you are new, you are made new, you are alive in Christ. Part three, you're seen. God sees you. God is with you, even in the bad times. And then today, part four, we'll explore the truth that you are loved. You are loved. I remember when my son Luke was born, in those first few moments in the delivery room, they they handed him to me. And I got to speak the first words to him. Pretty weighty moment, right? The first words ever spoken to a person. I held him tight, I looked down at him, and I said, hi. <laughs> Profound, right? Like, I, I, I mean, I was tired, i had had a long day. So I started with hi, but I didn't stop there, I kept going. I said, we love you, we're so glad you're here. Beloved boy, you are a beloved son, we love you. I got to be this voice of truth, speaking truth over him in the first few moments of his life. You are loved. Core to your identity, core to understanding who you are, the truth of who you are. You are loved. And the same is true for us. And what does that mean? What does that mean for for how we live? What does that mean for our identity? Well, there are many things that we could say about this truth. But looking at John 21 this morning together, we see the truth that we are loved. And what it means is this, that in his great love for us, Jesus fights for us. In his great love for you, Jesus fights for you, wills your good, your wholeness, your restoration, fights for your healing. You are loved. And maybe... You know, we're gathered in a church building. You're joining in online. And so I say you are loved and you nod your head because that's, that's the right thing to agree and believe, right? Like, I think when the sun is shining, when all is going well in the world, we nod along. Yes, yes, God loves me. I think we struggle to believe that when we are struggling. When we're struggling with our own failure. When we're neck deep in our own brokenness, in those moments, remember who you are. In his great love for you, the Lord fights for you. On your worst day, you are loved. So Let's read our passage together. John 21, we're going to start with the first 14 verses and then pick up a little bit later in verse 15. John 21, starting in verse 1. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore God, we are so glad that you are here, that you are with us, that you are speaking to us. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do what only you could do. You would open our ears and our hearts and our hands to receive and to respond. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter is having a rough couple of weeks. His rabbi his Lord was was arrested, betrayed by another friend of theirs. Now, Jesus had told them that this was going to go down. He told his followers that this was going to go down, that he was going to be betrayed and killed. And, And Peter, who usually had a lot to say in any given moment, Peter said, look, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said to him, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? I'm going to be honest with you, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Jesus is arrested. And there was then a sham of a trial. And there was indeed three separate instances where where someone asked Pete, do you know this guy? Are you one of his? Are you one of his disciples? And Peter said, no, I'm not. And Jesus was beaten. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was crucified, nailed to a cross, an incredibly horrific, shameful way to die. And it's hard to imagine the the shock, the grief, the fear that Peter and the others are, are feeling in this rapid sequence of events. But the tsunami keeps coming at them because on the third day, they discover that the tomb is empty and then the report from Mary Magdalene, another one of the followers of Jesus, I have seen the Lord. And then later that same day, that first Easter Sunday, the disciples are huddled up, doors are locked, they're afraid, and Jesus comes. Jesus comes to them. Jesus shows up in the room and speaks peace. He, he breathes on them the, the breath of God, the spirit of God. And then sometime after those events, we pick up in our passage today. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Peter said, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter, or as he's often just referred to as as Peter, he hangs up the, the gone fishing sign on the office door. He takes off, he checks out. I'm done with this. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to my old life, my old way. I'm going to fish. And his friends say, We'll go with you. So side note, I, I love this picture of community that we see in John 21. His friends saying, Peter, we're, we're going with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever we're going through, this mess we find ourselves in, we're sticking with you. We're going with you. And their fishing expedition, I'm not a fisherman, a uh, fisherwoman, but I can tell that wasn't going well, their night of fishing. And I imagine that felt a little bit like getting kicked when you're down professional fishermen thinking, now I can't even do this, right? But Jesus shows up. I want you to see this in our passage today. Jesus is present and at work even on our worst days. Jesus present at work in our lives even on our worst days. Remember who you are. In his great love for you, the Lord fights for you. On your worst day, you are loved. Eugene Peterson was a pastor, author of the message, paraphrase of scripture, author of many other books, and he passed away a couple years ago. At his funeral, his son, Leif, said that he would often tease his dad that his dad really only had one sermon, like one sermon that he just preached again and again, one message that he wrote about again and again, one thing that he would say again and again to his son, a four-point message. God loves you. He is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. God loves you. He is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. In the aftermath of Peter's denial, an incredibly painful failure, Peter's worst day. When Peter is just neck deep in his own brokenness, I think Peter heard this message from Jesus. I think Peter heard, I love you, Peter. I'm on your side, Peter. I'm coming after you. I am relentless. And the same is true for us in those broken down places and in our lives. Jesus is at work. I love you. I'm on your side. I'm coming after you. I am relentless. And his great love for you, the Lord, fights for you. Here again, verses 7 and 8. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. There's this, this urgency on Peter's part to get to Jesus. This part of the story, it seems kind of comical to me. Peter learns it's Jesus and he jumps into the into the water, and his friends are like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we're just gonna take the boat. <laughs> we're actually not that far from shore, Peter. We'll meet you there. I love that when Peter hears that it's the Lord, he hightails it to Jesus. Peter, for all of his character flaws, for all of his sin. Peter knows this. Get to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Game plan, run to Jesus, or swim to Jesus, if that's appropriate. On your very worst day, when you are neck deep in your own brokenness, run to Jesus. Peter responds to the presence of Jesus. He responds, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. My friends Ben and Matt run an organization called Gravity Leadership, and they helped me see something in this passage. This passage is about table fellowship. In the first century world, sharing a meal with someone was a profound act of friendship, a demonstration of welcome, of acceptance, and we understand that to a certain degree in our culture, right? It's why it matters who you sit with in the school cafeteria. But in Jesus' day, sitting down with someone at a table, it spoke volumes, And so if you flip through the Gospels, the accounts of of Jesus' ministry, you see how often Jesus is sharing a meal with someone, especially those who were considered too broken or too sinful to be with the the community of God's people. Jesus sat with them, made a, a space for them at the table, and shared a meal with them. And it was not because every other seat in the cafeteria was taken. Now there's this intentionality in the mission of Jesus. Remember, I love you. I'm on your side. I'm coming after you. I'm relentless. Jesus' mission is characterized by loving pursuit. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, those who think, they're righteous, but sinners to repentance. And in John 21, Jesus prepares a meal, and he invites Peter in company to sit down with him and eat, come and have breakfast. He's extending fellowship around the table, so to speak, to Peter and the other followers. I want you to hear this, this quote. Table fellowship is good news to someone who has disavowed knowing Jesus. It means Jesus accepts, receives, welcomes, identifies with, and loves you. Jesus identifies with and includes Peter and his friends and his company, and in so doing, declares his shame to be untrue and undone. You do belong. Declares his shame to be untrue and undone. You do belong. Belong. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. In the aftermath, the aftermath of, of Peter's denial, I do not know that man. An incredibly, incredibly painful failure. Peter's very worst day. Neck deep in his own brokenness and shame. But Jesus welcomes Peter. He just welcomes him into his presence. Come, come have breakfast. And Jesus keeps revealing himself to Peter. On your worst day, you are loved. I have this this really strong memory of one time that my older sister and I disobeyed my parents. For some reason, I can't remember exactly, but for some reason, we were no longer allowed to go to our next-door neighbor's house. That was now off-limits. But, and this is a really important detail for you to know if you're going to be on my side of the story, okay? So listen, my neighbor had a Nintendo. Oohs and ahs, please, yeah. Duck hunt Nintendo, okay? So my sister, Elizabeth, and I, we decided this was worth the risk. Like, this is where we're going all in on duck hunt. And then we had to come back home. And I remember walking in the front door and looking over into our living room, and my parents were just sitting there. They knew. And they knew that we knew that they knew. And so we, uh, being logical, five-year-olds and seven-year-olds, We took off and we ran. We ran as far as we could to get away from my parents, which was just the other side of the house. We messed up. So now we have to run. Now we have to hide. And now we mostly just need to be afraid of being punished. Now my point is not to get into the finer details of parenting strategies here. My point is, do you think of God that way? When I mess up, when I'm neck deep in my own mess, my own brokenness, my own shame, I have to hightail it. I can't be in your presence, God. I can't show my face. I can't tell the truth. I need to run. I need to hide. And mostly, I just need to be afraid. In 1 John 4, we read these three words God is love. You want something that will turn your world upside down. Maybe you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're trying to uh, explore, you're you're exploring your own spiritual journey. Three words that will turn your world upside down, I believe. God is love. And then later in chapter 4, 1 John, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect Love drives out fear. The force that moves the universe is the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, when you are in Christ Jesus, sin does not get the last word in your life. Your brokenness does not get the last word in your life. Death does not get the last word in your life and your story. The love of God gets the last word. Amen? On your worst day, you are loved. The force that moves the universe and your life too its the power of the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. There is a God who loves you, who is at work in your life, which means several things at once. Sin doesn't get the last word. Your shame Your brokenness does not get the last word. And by his grace, Jesus is at work in your life. In his great love for you, Jesus fights for you. And how far will he go? How far will Jesus go to fight for you? Romans 5, 8 God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. On our worst day, when the sickness of sin was running through our veins, when our fists were raised in rebellion against the living God, when death was our destiny because of our mutiny, when we were still dead set and running away from God, God sent his son to die for us us, and his great love for you. Christ fights for you. This is how we even know what love is. Hear now the rest of our passage for today, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, Follow follow me. In the very place of your hurt and shame, in that very place, the Lord speaks a commissioning statement. You have not been disqualified, Peter. You have not been sidelined, Peter. You're not out of the game, Peter. Three times you denied me. Three times I've spoken again. You're calling over you. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. The Lord is not ashamed to call you sister. The Lord is not ashamed to call you brother. And his great love for you, he fights for you. On your worst day, you are loved. I was working the other day from from home, and my three-year-old son was right next to me, right by my side, and So I was trying to figure out ways to to keep him uh, entertained, like creative ways, you know, month four pandemic, creative ways to keep him learning and and growing, you know. I'm totally kidding. I handed him my iPad (laughs) as he was sitting next to me. Go to. And we pulled up the the Note app, so we started drawing on my iPad. And it was like this total mess of a drawing. I mean, it might have been abstract art, I don't know. But he wanted to to fix it. And so I showed him the power of the undo button. Just hit this. So we hit undo. A little bit goes away. Undo, 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 undo. And eventually, of course, he's looking at a blank screen, right, a blank slate. And I know we might wish for that in our lives, an undo button but I want to suggest to you that the redemptive mercy of God is far better than that. Mysterious, yes, but so kind and so good. Because God doesn't go back in time and just undo, 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 undo our failures, undo our sin. God doesn't do that. But there is a grace weaving through our lives putting the broken pieces back together in such a way that the end result, that the end of the story is far more beautiful and far more glorious. This is our God working for good, fighting for us. Author and therapist Dan Allender writes this, we're in the presence of a good story when the flaw that shatters shalom, shatters wholeness, completeness, harmony, harmony, is also the doorway to redemption. Whether it be our own flaw or the sin of others, God uses the raw material of sin to create the edifice of his redeemed glory. The point cannot be overemphasized. Your plight is also your redemption. That in Christ, there's hope for redemption, for healing, because Jesus is present and at work. Jesus is making all things new. Now of course, we aren't, we aren't passive in this process of renewal, of redemption. You and I know plenty of people who have, have chosen the, the passive route, the checked-out route. and now they're stuck in their, their anger or, or their disengagement. They're, they've just shut down. I get it. There's places in my life where, where I've chosen the, the, the disengaged route. I'm going fishing. I'm done. Life is hard, and I get into this self-protection mode, and I just want to check out But the Spirit of Christ is at work in your life, in my life, in our city. The Spirit of Christ is at work for redemption, and Jesus just keeps inviting us to participate in the good work, the renewal work, the healing work that he is doing in our lives. And that could look a lot of different ways for what it means for you to participate in what Jesus is doing in your life. It could look like counseling, the brave hard work of engaging your own story, places of wounds and trauma. It could look like mentoring, allowing someone to speak into the rough edges in your life. It could be through spiritual direction, where someone is trained to sit with you and help you listen to the voice of God. It could be as you take up a new habit, today's the day, today's the day, you take up a new habit to form, to shape, to allow new patterns to develop in your life. It could be as you take that first step to fight your addiction or destructive pattern in your life. But for me, as I look at Peter's story, as I study this passage today, I am reminded that there is hope. Jesus is present and at work on my worst days. Jesus is present and at work fighting for me. So that means there's actually hope for something new to form in my life, for something to break through. The Lord at work here and now, even on your worst day, you are loved. Brian Stevenson is a lawyer, founder and director of the Equal Justice Initiative, an organization working for, for justice for the wrongly accused, for those being unfairly treated in our prison systems. And Stevenson, in his book entitled Just Mercy, he writes this, Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. I've been listening to a lot of Stevenson's talks lately as he shares about our country's history of of racial injustice and what it means to to tell the truth, to, to actually work towards healing, And on a recent podcast, after detailing the need to to tell the truth, to be honest about the reality of racism in in our country, he said this. He said, I actually believe in redemption. I actually believe in redemption. And y'all, I think if you were to sit down with Peter, I think he would echo those words I believe there is redemption. I believe there is a God who loves me, who is on my side, who is coming after me, who is just relentless. And We join in that work that God is doing in us and that God is doing in others around us. According to the second century church leader, it was Peter who helped restore another early follower of Jesus, a young man named John Mark. You see, John Mark had abandoned Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. He ran away when things got tough. Sound familiar? And Paul said to John Mark, okay, we're done. But years later, Peter and John Mark ran into each other in Rome, and Peter came alongside John Mark and mentored him. You see, Peter knew what it felt like to run away when things got tough. And Peter shared the whole story of his time with Jesus, his best days and his worst days, and all the days in between. He shared how Jesus loved him through it all. And this is the same John Mark who is believed to be the author of the Gospel of Mark, writing down Peter's story for us, writing down the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of God's great love for us, the Lord fights for you even on your worst day maybe it's today maybe it is literally this day even on your worst day you are loved i am going to invite you now into a couple moments of quiet just to be still with god just to ask god okay what are you saying to me what are you saying to me let's be quiet for a moment Lord, I pray for every person gathered here, every person participating online. I pray by your Spirit that we would hear you say, I love you. I pray by your Spirit we would hear you say, I am on your side. I am coming after you. I am relentless.